Good morning. Um, Luke asked me to fill in for him. He kind of uh, warned me a little bit uh, that I uh, should be start preparing for this. I was a little bit worried when he asked me to do this that he was going to deliver, they were going to deliver their baby maybe at Saturday night at midnight. And uh, hey, Dwayne, by the way, you're preaching in the morning. <laughs> but but that, uh, luckily that uh, didn't happen. And uh, actually, he had a pretty good idea when that was going to happen anyway. So, uh, so here I am. And, uh, and so this morning we were going to be speaking about prayer and as it regards to the family. And I think I gave a message on prayer a number of years ago, and apparently God thought that I should take another look at this, because here I am again. And I, I do admit that this is a discipline that I wish I was better in. So as I as I speak, I don't come from a position of authority or an accomplished prayer expert. Uh, I was uh, given the notion that how we spend and what we do with our money reveals what our priorities are. That's not necessarily a new concept. You know, what do we spend it on? Do we, are we generous? How do we save? What do we, what do, we do with our money? kind of reveals our priorities. Um, our time also reveals our priorities. Um, are we generous with our time? Um, and so do we visit and take time for those in, in need of a friend? Do we sacrifice a trip to the lake to fish to help out a friend in need? Maybe you don't relate to that, but uh, it, it made to me. Um, and I realized that uh, the notion was, was put forth that, that our, my prayer life and what I pray may also characterize how I feel and my priorities uh, towards God. How do I pray? When do I pray? Um, do your prayer, are your prayers like a teenager? Do you only come up from the basement to visit when you have a need? <laughs> but those, uh, those kind of things, prayer reveals something about, about how we, how we uh, approach God and what we think of God. Um, Prayer is found consistently and numerously throughout the Bible from beginning to end. Jesus prayed daily and consistently, um, and he taught his disciples how to pray by giving them the Lord's Prayer. So I kind of came up with uh, this as far as the message is concerned, is prayer is a good thing. So let's go ahead and pray before we go any farther. Lord, we thank you for our time together this morning. Uh, we just ask for your Holy Spirit's presence, and uh, may you guide my words, only be yours, be heard uh, in what I have to say this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what is prayer? Uh, the definition of prayer is a petition or a spiritual communion that is a recognition of dependence, the act of sharing thoughts or emotions, fellowship. And there are many aspects to the discipline of prayer, and we could learn and, and focus on. I think uh, Luke spoke not too long ago about the uh, format of prayer with the acronym, acronym ACTS. Uh, do you all remember the acronym ACTS? What, is, what does A stand for? Adoration. And C, confession. And the T, thanksgiving. And the S, supplication. Um, and we could examine the Lord's Prayer. We could uh, look at other scriptures of instruction. And uh, however, Luke asked me to, to give this message as it pertains to 
family and what does it mean for prayer within the family. So I thought we would be probably mainly, mainly focusing on the supplication part of prayer. Now supplication is a, is a big word, and so what does supplication mean? It's, a, it's a praying for a specific felt need, a heartfelt petition arising out of a deep personal needs, need, a sense of lack or want. In Matthew 18, Jesus says that if two of you agree about anything, then ask it, and it will be done by them in the, by the Father. Um, and this is uh, pertaining to two or three seeking God's will, and that God would answer that. I thought the phrase, a family that prays together stays together, was a fitting title for this message. The, uh, I, I like to look up those kind of phrases and see where they originated. Uh, this one in particular was originated by a priest named Patrick Payton, who lived from 1909 to 1992. And his passion and ministry was devoted to the importance of prayer. Another phrase that he uh, is known for is a world at prayer is a world at peace. This phrase is not specifically found in Scripture, but there is a lot of Scripture that would support that we should pray. In Ephesians 6, uh, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with preservation and making supplication for the saints. In 1 Timothy, Paul says, First of all, then I urge that supplication and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. I desire then that every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. In Colossians, he says, Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer and pray for us. Be watchful in it and with thanksgiving. In James, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. And Philippians do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Prayer has the ability to unite us because it focuses our attention on the one who unites us together and our dependence on him. We become united in voice. Our desire is for the same thing. When I was studying for, for this, I, I came across a book written by Alistair Begg called Pray Big. And one of the things that he uh, suggested in that book was he was very critical of be with prayers. Um, in other words, Lord, be with the youth group. Lord, be with Luke and Ellen. And Father, be with fill in the blank, whatever. He makes the assertion that there is no prayer in Scripture that only asks God to be with his people. I have to admit, I do this all the time. I I be with, be with. Um, and it's a difficult habit to break, I found. Um, so I was convicted in this. And Beg stresses that we need to pray more specifically. Jesus already promises that he's going to be with us, so it's kind of redundant for us to say, be with. Christ is already going to be there. Maybe we could be a little more creative or ambitious. Basically, what he's suggesting is be with is kind of lazy. I see the point. In order to pray specifically, we need to know the person and the situation. It means effort on our part. 
asking questions, spending time in conversation. How do you want God to be with someone or some situation? What would God specifically want for this person or situation? Now, I might push back a little bit to Alistair and say, listen, you're being a little hard on the, on the be with. Um, I don't necessarily think we need to remove that from our uh, communication, but I think it's still important that we follow up those words with how. How can God be with us? Paul prayed often in his letters to different churches, so we can learn a lot about what and how to pray in each of those by looking at what Paul's prayers for those churches, what he wrote in those prayers. How did Paul pray? Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that Paul prayed spiritually. When we think of petitioning God or supplications, I think of praying for healing or sickness or injury. I think of a crisis crisis that needs solving. Uh, Something negative has happened, and I can't fix it. So I turn to God for help. When I was in the hospital, I prayed, and you as a congregation prayed for, for my healing. When I had issues at work, I prayed. When we needed a pastor, we prayed. These are all things we should bring to God, and he is faithful in answering those prayers. However, Paul encouraged prayer for healing, but it seems the majority of Paul's prayers were that of a spiritual nature. In other words, he focused on a spiritual well-being and maturity of of who he was praying for. I kind of thought they, they sound more like proactive prayers. I have a tendency to think I don't need God until there is a crisis, but the fact of the matter is I need spiritual prayer regularly to keep me safe from deception, for I need prayer to keep me safe from false teaching, a crisis of faith, temptation. I need strength of faith and hope and knowledge of God's truth. We need prayer for the power of the Holy Spirit to convict us and mold us to the likeness of God. How are we praying spiritually for each other? Prayer for healing or a solution to a problem or crisis is probably the most common prayer we use for each other. And those prayers are great. They are biblical and right. But how often do we pray for each other for spiritual growth and maturity? Those were common prayers by the Apostle Paul. Those prayers strengthen the family of God. For example, in Ephesians 1, Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, What are the riches and his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? In Philippians, another example, I thank God in all remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So Paul prayed for spiritual prayers to strengthen the church. Paul also prayed for spreading the gospel. He encouraged and asked for prayer for sharing the message and 
as brilliant as Paul was at communicating the gospel, he still recognized his need for God and his mission to, to preach the gospel. For example, he said, pray for me that, my, that may, the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the ministry of the gospel. He also says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Um, and pray for us that God may open the door for the word and declare the mystery of Christ on account of what I am in prison, of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I found here that the, in the Billy Graham School of Evangelism and Crusade Training, the point was made that over 90% of the people who came to a crusade and 95% of those who came forward to accept Christ have been regularly prayed for by others for a significant period of time. Prayer plays a significant role in spreading the gospel and church growth. Our men's group, we've been studying Acts, and um, one of the first uh, sessions that we did, we covered Acts 2, and Luke is writing about the early first church. In fact, it's the first church. And it says in uh, Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Uh, As they go on, they had all things in common, and that section ends up by saying, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were saved. Now for me, this kind of got my wheels turning and that maybe this is a formula for church success, where it says, the, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, that's Scripture. So the church devoted themselves to Scripture. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to eating together. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Maybe I, I read too much into it. I don't have the... I haven't tested this to know if this is the, the magic formula that creates church growth. But I would say that this looks like a church that I would want to be a part of. Do we devote ourselves to prayer? Are we using all the tools God has given us to impact our community and spread the gospel and add to our number? Are we praying for evangelism in our church and in our relationships? Are we praying for specific people to come to know Jesus? Another thing that when I was preparing for this as it it pertains to the family of God, I was drawn to the act of laying on of hands. Um, Once, uh, a number of years ago, we had, I think we were switching to Dish Network and we had uh, a technician come out, we'll call him the cable guy, uh, came out to to work on uh, hooking up our system. And he was one of those persons that uh, was very free with his uh, sharing about his life. Uh, and you know those kind of people who wear their heart on their sleeve and share maybe a little too much. But uh, he had shared that he was going through some problems relationally and maybe some, I don't remember quite all the details, but some relational problems and some financial problems. And, and Jane asked, if could, could we pray for you? And he was kneeling on the on the floor because he was working on the system so he's already in a vulnerable position (laughs) 
But Jane came up, uh, she stood up and went over and put her hand on his shoulder and prayed for him. I don't remember if I prayed or not, I don't think I did, but uh, we prayed for him. And, uh, and he sat there and he said, I mean, he agreed to it, so it was not a problem. And uh, we went outside, him and I, uh, I don't know, to look at whatever, whatever was being hooked up outside. And he said, uh, he said he really appreciated that prayer for, he said, Man, when she touched my shoulder, it was powerful. It was like fire. <laughs> and it was humorous, but yet it was, a, it, was a very, it was a beautiful story of someone who hadn't experienced that, uh, that intimacy of prayer. Um, and I, I think of that often. And the Bible gives many examples of laying on of hands. The law required uh, there be hands placed on an animal for sacrifice, which represents the transferring of, of sin to that animal. Jesus laid his hands on those he healed, and the apostles followed that example. Scripture examples of laying on of hands were done as prayer to bless, bless leaders and prayers for healing and sending of those to preach. Um, the apostles also laid hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was curious as to the why of this act of, of laying on of hands. And the Bible doesn't really give any specific explanation. Uh, there's no evidence that suggests that some special transfer of power takes place from our hands. Although I think the cable guy would just uh, disagree with that. <laughs> um, Jesus healed with and without laying his hands. It seems to be symbolic and a gesture that communicates love, gentleness, relationship, friendship, a transfer from one to another, and giving approval. I found this uh, secular article very interesting about touch. And to keep in mind, this was pre-COVID, so society has changed a great deal even since this was written. Uh, it was entitled, Why We Need Human Touch. Uh, and it was relating to the idea that the digital age, there's becoming less and less touch. And again, that's be before even COVID. Uh, number one, uh, touch decreases violence. Less touch as a child leads to greater violence. And I guess this goes to um, the idea of that uh, the lack of a mother and child bonding, the child doesn't develop property properly, and the res result is a lifelong of emotional disturbances. Uh, human touch creates trust between individuals. Touch helps bond people together. Um, the neuroscience uh, scientist Edmund Ross, who found physical touch activates the brain's orbital frontal cortex, links to feelings of reward and compassion. And studies show that a simple touch can trigger release of oxytocin, aka the love hormone. Um, basic warm touch calms cardiovascular stress. It activates the body's vagus nerve, which int intimately involved in our compassionate response. NBA teams whose players touch each other more, for example, win more games. Um, and I found this interesting, decreased disease and, and stronger immune system uh, if you touch. Physical touch may also decrease disease, according to research conducted by University of North Carolina. Women who receive more hugs from their partners have lower heart rates and blood pressure. Hugs strengthen the immune system. 
It stimulates the thymus gland, which regulates and balances the body's production of white blood cells, which keeps you healthy and disease-free. So there you go. That's how you solve the COVID problem, is more hugs. <laughs> Stronger team dynamics. Hugs or handshakes are likely to cause the release of a neuro, the, this oxytocin, which increases the chances that a person will treat you like family, even if you've just met. Uh, greater learning example, uh, uh, greater learning engagement. When teachers touch students platonically, it encourages their learning. Um, there are many people that are seeking out, they're craving human touch, so they seek out their own professional touchers, such as chiropractors, physical therapists, massage therapists. Um, and some even wait in the physician's office for a physical examination for ailments with no organic cause because they want to be touched. In conclusion, the physical touch is the foundational element of human development and culture, and we should intentionally hold on to physical touch. So that's how that, that article is concluded. Laying on of hands with prayer may be important for no other reason than God made us this way. COVID has changed society and the church, and we have all become sensitive to social distancing and what we touch and who we touch. Laying on of hands to each other in prayer in these days could be seen as a super spreader event. So some touch has become something that is incredibly uncomfortable. I hope that's not the case or that it, it, it uh, is something that is, that, is, that is going away from the church. God created us in a way that touches a valuable part of what is to be human, and I would hope that we can continue doing it. In my conclusion, I'd like to read from Ephesians 3 and listen to how Paul prays for the church. Paul writes that the purpose of his ministry is to share the mystery of the gospel, which is God's plan to include the Gentiles into the family of God. And he continues by saying, For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on, on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant to you strengthen and power through his Spirit for your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and width and height and depth and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now, I'd like to try something this morning, and I'd like to, to pray a proactive prayer for each other this morning. And I would like to try, if you would all stand. Now, I'll give you the option of whether you want to lay hands on someone or not, but I would encourage you to do so. And I will say... I will ask you to repeat after me in this first phrase. I was, I'm going to say, thank, I thank God for you, and I would like you to say the person's name you're, you're touching. If you're not able to touch someone, think of someone that you would like to pray for out loud. And uh, so we'll try this, uh, this. I'm not sure I didn't replay this out in my head, so I'm hoping it goes well. I thank God for you. I pray that you will be strengthened in God's power throughout your whole being. I pray that Christ will dwell in your heart. 
I pray your love will abound more and more. I pray for you to have all of Christ's knowledge and discernment. I pray for you to know the full measure of his love for you. May you be able to communicate the truth of the gospel. And may you be filled with the fullness of God. Okay, and I will conclude by saying, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.